Welcome to the show. I'm Coach Elizabeth, and today I want to talk about sleep divorces. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but I am a big proponent of sleep divorces. I've been on a couple different podcasts talking about it and how much I really support them. Um, my husband and I have had what you call a sleep divorce for probably eight years now, really after the birth of our second child. Um, that was when we kind of looked at each other and we're like, hey, we actually get way better sleep when we're sleeping in different rooms of the house. So maybe we should just do this. Um, but I'm talking about it today because it's really great. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine just came out with a study that says that about a third of all cohabitating adults have filed, quote unquote, for this sleep divorce, um, and that these couples are now getting their shut eye in separate beds, and that they're actually choosing to sleep apart to stay together. So I love this. This is a topic that I've been really passionate about for a while, and it's not about trying to convince other people to get a sleep divorce, but I think it's more so about trying to lessen the stigma and kind of the taboo of talking about it. Because for a lot of years, Ryan and I just didn't mention it to people. We didn't um, actively hide it, but at the same time, I wasn't really like kind of out of the closet with it, if you will say. Um, some family members knew, but even in the beginning, we would, you know, if we were visiting family, we would stay in the same room and sleep in the same bed and have shitty sleep, you know, for three days or whatever it was, um, because we didn't want to worry them. We didn't want them to think that we're married, but we're sleeping in separate bedrooms. So therefore we must be headed for divorce because I think that that's what a lot of people can think. Um, but what I thought would be fun today is just to have a little one-on-one, -on -one, uh, discussion, maybe just with myself, but with you listening about what this is and why it might actually help you and your career. So one of the first things I ask clients when I'm talking to them and I'm kind of assessing their stress level is their sleep. So if you've read my book, Career Confinement, you know that I have an entire chapter on sleep and why it's so important. And a lot of times people will say, oh, I'm getting a few hours here and there, or I'm getting, you know, I got seven hours last night, which was amazing. And then I say, oh, great. Like your kids didn't come in and wake you up and like, oh, well, yeah, they came in, you know, once or maybe even twice. And then I had to, you know, elbow my husband to roll over because he woke me up a few times with his snoring. Um, or they'll say, yeah, I went to bed at nine, but my husband came up at maybe 11 or 12 because they're more of a night owl or vice versa. Maybe the husband goes to bed early and the wife actually likes to stay up and have some time to herself. I think sometimes we just want some time where nobody's asking us for anything or touching us. We just want our own energetic space. So a lot of women get that at night, right before they turn in. And the issue with this is there is this false assumption that you're getting this great sleep because you were physically in bed for seven hours. But at the end of the day, it's highly likely that you're not getting great sleep, especially if you knowingly are being woken up. I love a, an aura ring to like see how like the quality of your sleep is, not just the time that you had your head on the pillow. So I'll just tell you a little story like how our sleep divorce started with Ryan and I. Um, when we lived in Chicago, there were two bedrooms, but one was his office and the other one was, you know, our shared room. And I think we had a queen bed and, you know, my husband's six, six, I'm darn near six foot, five, 11 and a half. So we're two larger people and to be in a bed together was, you know, I don't want to say clunky, but like somebody's foot is always touching somebody. Somebody's rolling over is jiggling the mattress and potentially waking up the other person. My husband could sleep through a tornado. He's literally slept through the house alarm going off before. Whereas I, I hear the slightest little thing and I jump up. And maybe this is just from being a mom and like 
actively listening, I think, as we sleep for a kid to cry or something to happen. So, and it was made even worse when we had the monitor, right? Like later on in life, when we had children, the monitor would wake us up. But even when we first started living together and then when we were first married, I was really getting crap sleep. And I think he was too, because, you know, he doesn't like being like elbowed or nudged or told to roll over a million times. You know, his shoulder would always fall asleep. You can only lay on your side for so long before your body wants you to turn over. So we both traveled for work. And what we were finding was that when we were alone in a hotel room, um, we were getting great sleep, even with people like walking down the hall or doors slamming at 5 a.m. because, you know, another guest is departing. And so we got into this routine of having these separate spaces. And then when we found ourselves together on the weekends or some random weekday nights, that was when it really all kind of went downhill as far as sleep was concerned. And let me just address something like out of the gate. I think a lot of people worry that the intimacy or your sex life may take a nosedive if you don't sleep in the same bed at night. And I hear you. This is a common fear. And I've even been interviewed on podcasts before where they said, well, you have kids, so clearly you have sex. So, and I was kind of dumbfounded by that because yeah, of course, but I don't know about you when I like you know, put in my night guard and I put my zit cream on and I tie my hair up in a bun with hair oil and I crawl into bed. That's not sexy time anyway. Like I'm exhausted. The last thing I want somebody to do is touch me. And everybody else is different about the time of the day or when they feel the most like being intimate. But for me and Brian, that was never the time anyway. So that wasn't something that I was worried about losing. Um, and we were cuddling on the couch before, like there were other places that we could touch each other and, you know, in a very PG way, but like that it wasn't just in the bed of like his leg, you know, coming over on mine or something like that. We did that on the couch. Like we lived in Chicago. We didn't have a lot of space. We had one couch. So guess what? You know, like he would sit up and I would lay down and put my legs over him and we were constantly touching. So I don't think we were missing that at night. At night, we just really needed to sleep. And so when our kids were born, you know, we kind of like, we were married for six years before we had our first child. And throughout that time, we did, we just stayed in the same room, even though we had moved to the burbs and had this room, this house with like five different bedrooms, we were still staying in the same bedroom because I think we were both a little bit afraid to officially like have him move to another room because we didn't want people to come over. And be like, why is this stuff in the guest room? You know, we didn't want to scare anybody. And frankly, if I'm being honest, I didn't want to scare myself because there's just so many outspoken people saying, you know, this is what a marriage look like looks like. And if there's one thing that I think we've really become progressive on is like, what does a marriage look like? What does it entail? And I think everybody's being so much more open-minded about like, hey, just do whatever works for you. Like, I don't give a shit what's going on in your bedroom. If you want to sleep in separate beds? Great. Um, do it. I don't care. So I think that this is why this study has come out, that one in three people have opted for a sleep divorce. And guess what? Guess who's doing it? Millennials. And I am an elder millennial. I barely, you know, qualify. But I do think that there's more open-minded, like, people out there that are getting into serious relationships and they're evaluating what they need for themselves. And then we're starting to see this, like, you know, this divorce, if you will, this sleep divorce. Okay. So back to the story. So after Delilah was born, our first daughter, we were kind of tagging in and tagging out with her. So we had a bassinet in the living room and then upstairs were the bedrooms. And we purposely did that because we knew we needed one person to be fresh every day. So both of us 
sleeping in the same room with Delilah and a bassinet in there was going to be a recipe for two exhausted parents instead of one at a time. And I know there are women out there who breastfeed. I was doing this as well. Um, I would get up and feed her and then give her to Ryan. And then I would just like fall back asleep. And then at one point I was pumping, I would wake up to pump, but to be totally honest, I only lasted a couple months with each kid. So this is definitely probably a little bit different. Um, if you're a new mom and you're nursing or somebody who's still nursing their child, but even then, like, I still think it's okay to like kick your partner to another room because at least then when you're done feeding the baby, you know, you can just like roll back over and go to sleep. You're not worried about somebody else now being woken up. So for us, it was like, we needed to be able to tag in and tag out. And then once the kids started sleeping through the night, it was like, okay, well, I still really want to make sure I get a good night's sleep. So why don't you just sleep in the guest room? And before you start thinking, okay, well, why does he have to sleep in the guest room? And you get these amazing primary bedrooms in a king size bed. Well, it's just the way it is. <laughs> At the end of the day, like I was happy to go sleep in the guest room some nights, which I did. But with a husband like mine, who's very low maintenance, he doesn't need blackout curtains. He doesn't need a white noise machine. He doesn't need a ceiling fan. Like he was going to sleep well, no matter where you stuck this dude. And, you know, and I like to say he's like, chivalry isn't dead. He was like, no, you should absolutely have the better bedroom. Like, take it. I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm unconscious. Why do I care? So it was wonderful because he knew that I had a routine of reading before bed. And I think sometimes women can have better, more rituals, whether it's skincare or whatever, but it turned into this wonderful sanctuary of privacy for me and like whole energy not that other people were bringing in different energy, but I have discovered about myself in my 42 years that I am an extroverted introvert and I recharge in solitude. So this idea that like somebody else can be in the room with me and I can fully recharge just isn't happening. Like I need to be totally by myself. And if you're listening to this and you feel the same way, like you actually recharge your batteries when you're by yourself, maybe it's just even in your car by yourself. Like I highly suggest you at least experiment with a sleep divorce. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? Of like, okay, is this going to be a slow road to div actual divorce, this sleep divorce? Here's what I would say are some cautions to look out for. If you want to have a sleep divorce because you just want to avoid your partner, then it's something deeper. If you want to get a sleep divorce because you feel like, you want to kind of hide out or detach from the relationship, then it's not a good idea. Um, but if you're really looking at it in a place of like, I feel really strong in my relationship. I feel like our communication is open. I feel really connected to this person. We are still intimate, um, but this is really just about sleep. Then I think it's for you. And for us, we really checked all of those boxes. And I'm not going to say that our marriage hasn't had ups and downs, but I can vouch that if I was sleep deprived, it would have been way worse. Like if anything, being fully rested and clear eyed in the morning made it easier because in the past, when we were sleeping in the same bed, I was waking up pissed off at him. And this poor guy didn't do anything wrong. He's just trying to fucking sleep. And I'm like mad at him because I had a shit night of sleep and I blamed him, but he's unconscious. He didn't know he was snoring. He didn't know his legs were wrestling. One night he actually like rolled over and swung his arm over and like his fist hit me in the face and he didn't know it. And of course I, you know, unleashed on him. Um, but he just looked scared. Like he legitimately didn't know we had done that. And so 
I would say like better to wake up in a good mood and like not, you know, what do they say? You're like legally drunk if you don't get enough sleep after a certain amount of time, like be in a good headspace to greet your partner in the morning, to be excited to see them, to be the freshest you can be for your children. If you have children, um, and I'm going to get to that as well. Cause like, what do you tell the kids? Um, but for us, it was definitely not something that was ever a contributing factor to any disagreements that we had or any space or distance that we felt in our relationship. I think if anything, it was holding it together way more than it could have been driving us apart. So another big piece of this is this career piece. So you're saying to yourself, okay, how is this going to help my career? You said at the beginning of the show, you know, I should evaluate if maybe a sleep divorce could help my career. Well, if you look at the benefit of being well-rested, what it does, not only for your cortisol levels, for your body, it helps offset obesity. Like there's all of these things that sleep does. But at the end of the day, you're much sharper when you go to work. Like I would show up to buyer meetings when I was staying at hotels, fresh-faced, ready to go. Like solutions just seemed to flow to me. I didn't have any stumbles in my presentations. And I found that when I was at home, and I was having tough nights of sleeps, and maybe I was making, you know, a presentation to a distributor or a client or something the next day, I found myself pausing and feeling like kind of dumb. And I was like, why isn't this coming to me? I know this stuff. What is it? What is it? What is it? You know, like I would kind of be doing that. And it was my brain trying to get enough energy to come up with the answer because it had been so sleep deprived the night before. And I'm not saying like I was sitting up all night. These little disruptions in your sleep patterns that rob you of REM and these data delta and theta waves and all these things that we need, those will jack you up. Like the next day, they absolutely will have this effect on you and your sharpness. Okay. So if you think that, you know, going three, three hours a night with sleep or something, you're just somebody who can thrive on a handful of hours of sleep. I would challenge you to at least experiment with this idea. That's all I say to people who are like really hard, no skeptics of this. I say like, if you feel comfortable in a relationship, like what do you have to lose? Like I didn't feel threatened having Ryan in the other room. I wasn't worrying he was texting somebody. I wasn't worrying like he was like watching porn or doing something that, you know, I would like maybe not feel comfortable lying next to him while he's doing. I never felt that way. I knew that I could trust him like for everything. And if we can't trust our partners to be in an, uh, another room on their phone without you there, that's probably a deeper relationship issue that you need to work out potentially in therapy. But for us, I think we've both felt completely confident that the other one was not doing anything that we wouldn't want them to be doing, right? So if that's the case and you could get more sleep and ideas could flow better to you at work the next day, you could be more prepared, you could feel more sharp. Not only that, like when our brains have time to detox, it's I've, I've heard it say it's like a sponge, right? At, at, when you're sleeping, your brain is kind of like wringing out the sponge of information and dumb fucking YouTube videos you watch that you're, it doesn't need to hold on to, right? Like we want to give our brain that opportunity to release the information that is not critical for our survival. And when it doesn't get the opportunity to do that, that sponge is very full when you show up to work the next day. So how are you going to be able to allow new things in? How are you going to be able to let knowledge flow or to be able to retain anything that you might actually really need to know later on? Um, it might be critical, you know, to your success at work. So I think sleep definitely impacts work and a sleep divorce, or if you're sleeping with a partner that impacts sleep. So all we have to do is just kind of like follow the lines here. 
I do want to talk about if you are a parent of a child who's old enough to realize mommy and daddy don't sleep in the same room. Because I don't know how many times, I think it was Mean Girls. Somebody said, like to Lindsay Lohan, like, well, her parents don't sleep in the same room, if you know what I mean, about like Regina George's parents. And I look back on that now and I'm like, well, that's shitty. That doesn't mean anything. But it's just like so conditioned in us that if people sleep in separate bedrooms, something is wrong, right? They're headed for a divorce. So we were very conscious of this when Delilah and Vivian were old enough to realize that like daddy sleeps in another room. And to be honest with you, it probably, we only started like really calling it out to them about a year or two ago. And my children are almost 11 and eight. So we didn't like hide it from them, but we didn't say like, this is daddy's bedroom and this is mommy's bedroom. But now they know that just like that's daddy's car. This is mommy's car. You know what I mean? They get it. And we've even said, you know, just because daddy sleeps downstairs doesn't mean we're not married anymore or that we don't love each other or anything like that. It's just daddy snores and mommy sleeps better upstairs. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like they totally get it because guess what? They probably have a sleep routine too. And if you throw a sibling in their bed with them, they would probably sleep like shit, right? We've all had to do it on vacation or whatever, make the kids bunk up together. And guess what? They usually sleep terribly. It's the same with adults. And that's really how we've explained it to them. And we've said, we're here in case you want to talk about it. Cause I worry that their friends, you know, if they, if somehow their friends know or something, again, we're not hiding it. We're like pretty loud and proud about it, that their friends could say something, you know, shady, like, oh, well, that's not good, you know, or that's, that's not what my mommy and daddy do. So you should, you should be worried, you know, or something like that. So I think it's like, you first have to build up your confidence around it. You and your partner have to decide whether it's for you or not, and then build up your confidence around it. And then don't worry when people start to throw arrows at you about it, right? Like question it or try to invite doubt. And thankfully we never had that happen. Family members were always, I don't know that they understood, like now when we go to visit family, we need two bedrooms, <laughs> like to the point where like Ryan will sleep on a pullout and I will take the guest room um, because traveling is stressful and they do not want us to be not well rested. Right. Like, but for a while we weren't really doing that, but now it's out. And I think me being on podcasts and me having my own and talking about it has helped. But I think if we can all just release some of the judgment and embrace the curiosity around this topic. Um, it'll be better for everybody. So I urge you, if you're somebody who doesn't totally just relish their sleep at night and is and they don't feel like they get to go to a sanctuary at night, maybe your sanctuary is your husband. Like I remember I was being interviewed um, by this amazing podcaster, um, Jenny Hutt. And she said, you know what? My, my quote unquote, like lovey, my sleeping blanket is my husband. She said, I hear him snore and it helps me fall asleep. It's my white noise machine. And I'm like, God bless you, right? That was not the case for me. So I'm not saying like try to create separation if it's not necessary. I'm talking to the people who feel like maybe their sleep could be better or maybe they sleep better when their spouse is away for a night. And then you can just kind of like do baby steps. Okay, maybe every Wednesday night, he or you is gonna sleep in a different room if you're lucky enough to have that space, right? I, I also realize that there's a lot of privilege here in my voice. And because we have a house big enough that there is a room for him. And by the way, his room is like his office, his bedroom, like he's really taking one for the team um, down there, but he's on the first floor. I'm on the second floor, but I do feel like 
if you're somebody who's like, wow, I really wish we could do this, but I don't think my spouse would go for it. Then I think you owe it to yourself to try to educate the spouse and really talk to them and reassure them that you're not trying to pull away from them. You're not trying to invite any sort of distance in your relationship. You're not trying to get out of being intimate with them. You really just, you need it to restore yourself and to be the best version of yourself the next day, then I think they're going to be much more open to trying it out. So you could try it out one day a week. You could try it out just one weekend. Say, hey, let's just see what happens this weekend. Maybe we hate it, but maybe we like it. And then it could be this slow progression. Maybe you don't immediately go to separate bedrooms. Um, although I think it's great if you do, but if you're not ready to do that yet, then just go at your own pace. But it's this whole thing of like, we got to speak up. We got to do what's right for us. And on the sex piece too, like, I think that it's a valid concern. A lot of, I presumably like in a hetero, in a hetero um, relationship, a male saying, you know, I'm worried we're not going to have sex or something. I think you should really just look at when you are having sex. And if it's at night, then that's a valid concern. But guess what? I've had sex with my husband at night. And then, you know, what's great. He gets up and he goes to his own room and I get to watch whatever show I want to watch or roll over and go to bed. And he gets to go watch, you know, sports center for 10 minutes or whatever. It's amazing. You guys, it really shouldn't affect your sex life. Like one bit. We're talking about this unconscious sleep time. You could even lay in the same bed and cuddle and watch your show or whatever. But if it's time to like actually snooze, we've done this too. I say like, I want to cuddle tonight and he'll come up and cuddle. But then when it's done, he goes to his room. All I'm saying is guys, give it a try. The statistics can't lie. Other people are doing it. Let's just drop the stigma around it and help everybody get better sleep.